0: at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. terms and conditions supply.
1: How would you like a 15% discount to my daily email? The stack of stuff, the show notes, discounts to the conference, all of that. All you need to do is text the word show to 33777. You'll get the annual subscription with a 15% discount to my daily email. You'll get the stack of stuff, the links to the show notes, discounts to the conference, and so much more. All you have to do is text the word SHOW, S-H-O-W, to 33777. Text SHOW to 33777.
2: Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, hour one.
1: Hello, America. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, very happy to have you. Um, I, there's a hearing going on in Atlanta right now uh, in, the, in the Fonny Willis case that could potentially disrupt that case. I will get there. Um, and, and at the bottom of this hour, they're they're wrapping up Nathan Wade's testimony I want to wait for that to conclude. I want to start somewhere else. As the show ended yesterday, the Super Bowl victory parade began in Kansas City, Missouri. My newest affiliate is KMBZ, uh, Talk 980 in Kansas City. And the Chiefs won and got to have the victory parade. Well, Tragedy struck, there was a shooting. Uh, Lisa Lopez Galvin of KKFI radio, a DJ in Kansas city uh, was shot and killed. And a whole lot of other people were shot, including a number of kids, 22 were shot. There were 30 patients, 19 with gunshot wounds, 11 children. Here's a couple that happened to be right near where the shooting began.
3: We saw one of the shooters. Yeah. He had a brown jacket on, and
1: he was, uh, light he was skinned. ready. skinned. He was real young, probably looked yeah, about young. sixteen or seventeen years old. Mm-hmm. Um, they were really young, yeah. so it was. It, it didn't look like it was some type of uh, stage or
2: anything like yeah. that. It looked like it was just somebody just acting out of out of control. Uh, yeah. What-
1: Yeah, uh, looks like it was gang violence. Uh, Three people, two of them uh, with criminal records, uh, were arrested. Two of them also juveniles under the age of 18. Arrested, it appears to be a a, a gang-related violence in Kansas City, Missouri. Naturally, of course, the left immediately turned to the gun control issue and confiscation of guns. Here we go with CNN and the conversation there.
3: You know, they want to make sure the Missouri legislature...
1: I'm sorry, this is MSNBC to begin with.
3: ...has been dominated, the Missouri has been dominated by rural leaders, Republican leaders, that think guns are okay because they relate to rural areas as opposed to a million people in a concentrated area and the kind of damage that a long gun can do, especially...
1: Now these were hand these weren't long guns. Notice uh, that's Claire McCaskill, who's former senator from Missouri, progressive senator, got beat by Josh Hawley. She's talking about long guns. There weren't long guns. These were uh, handguns involved, based on what we know from the police thus far. Uh, the, we were not talking about people carrying ARs, just handguns. And, oh, it's the rural Missouri legislators who are so pro-gun, but all the damage that can be done in a concentrated area with, with population. Now, this is the CNN conversation.
0: The rationale, and of course, this is part of the Republican Party po- platform now, their rationale is let's make it as easy as possible for people to get guns so people are armed when these things happen.
1: Ah, uh, Yes, it, it's, it's the gun owners. It's the gun owners. And then, of course, there's Joy Reid.
2: Yeah, you know, Brittany, you're also from Missouri. Um, and it is... It is a strange thing when you have people who actually do want to legislate i mean they've been real active in the state of missouri they have been legislating a potential death penalty for women who get an abortion they've been legislating uh nixing any sort of exceptions for people who are victims of rape and incest they also have to carry uh the you know the child of their rapist um you had a legislator there say that well if you don't stop abortion a one-year-old could get an abortion which is Physically and scientifically an impossibility, but he still...
1: Physically and scientifically an impossibility, says a woman who thinks men can become women. Uh, And then she says, oh, but they won't legislate guns. Uh, So the left immediately seizes on this tragedy in Kansas City. And by the way, we should note that unlike the school shooting in Texas, the police of Kansas City ran towards the gunshots. And it wasn't just the police who ran towards the gunshots. It was actual members of the crowd who were there for the Kansas City Chiefs Parade Tackled the gangbangers who were shooting up the place. This was an emotion-driven shooting with handguns, not rifles, by gang members who had pre-existing, uh, pre-existing rap sheets. Now let, let me let me add a little more color to this that you're not getting from MSNBC or CNN. Here's a story. This goes back to 2021. In May, the city council passed two ordinances taking $42.3 million out of the police department's budget. The mayor of Kansas City is a defund the police zealot. Here's a story from 2022, from March of 2022. After an illegal attempt to defund police in 2021, the mayor of Kansas City is once again proposing to take $37 million out of next year's police budget and giving control of it to the city. The $37 million out of the Kansas City Police Department's $269 million budget would be in a new community policing and prevention fund controlled by the city manager. Wouldn't actually go to police. Here's a story from uh, February of 2023. A thwarted effort to recall the Kansas City mayor and several council members for trying to defund the police is involved into a movement to elect more law enforcement supportive council. The Kansas City mayor sued Missouri. Missouri, the state, passed a law giving additional funding to the Kansas City Police Department. The mayor of Kansas City sued the state to defund the police. Notice none of this is coming up. None of this is coming up. You got gangbangers, some of whom should probably still be in prison who were let out. Kansas City was to defund their police department, a police department, I might add, that ran towards the sound of gunfire, not away from it. You want to defund those guys, the guys who are protecting and serving in a city that does not have the back of the police, in a city that disrespects the police, in a city that tries to defund the police, where gang and crime is, is on the rise in Kansas City, and you have a shooting at a parade of gang gangbangers shooting people up at a parade. And the left's first reaction is, well, we need to confiscate all the guns, not actually enforce the law and fund the police. I want to give you some data from CNN. Firearm homicide death rates by race. For every 100,000 men who are killed, Only two of them in Missouri are white. 59 are black. For every 100,000 men killed by firearms in the state of Missouri, 59 are black and two are white. This isn't a gun problem, this is a gang problem. The city of Kansas city is dealing with it's dealing with a gang problem and a crime enforcement problem in a city that doesn't support its police. Doesn't want to fund its police. Does it prosecute crime aggressively? And it's led to this on a very happy day for the people of Kansas city there to support the Kansas city chiefs they have to deal with a mass shooting by gang bangers. In the state of Missouri, 59 men, 59 black men out of 100,000 men will die of gun violence. And disproportionately, it's in St. Louis and Kansas City. St. Louis, like Kansas City, is not a safe city. It's run by defund the police zealots who want to defund the police, who hate the police, who take a a lax view of crime, who don't enforce it. Have you noticed the the shift? Uh, Let's just uh, step aside from Kansas City and look at what's happening in Chicago. In Chicago, there's a technology that they use called ShotSpotter. ShotSpotter is a system in Chicago that can detect a gunshot and tell the police where the gunshot came from. The mayor of Chicago unilaterally, who is a communist, the mayor of Chicago, literal communist, not pejoratively calling him a communist, he actually is. The mayor of Chicago has canceled the contract. Do you know why? He says shot spotter uh, discriminates against minority communities. Shot spotter discriminates against minority communities because disproportionately it directs police to non-white neighborhoods for gunshots. You know the data in Illinois? For every 100,000 men killed by guns in a year, 48 are black, one is white. Disproportionate gun violence in Illinois happens in the south side of Chicago in black communities that's why the shot spotter technology directs the police there because that's where all the gun violence is but the mayor of chicago says it's a race issue the mayor of kansas city screams about racism as does the mayor of st louis all of these other progressive mayors they scream about racial disparity when actually there's a disproportionate role that guns play among gangs in the african-american community and you're not allowed to talk about it because they scream that you're a racist Y'all, it's not racist to point out the facts. The facts are not racist. And the facts are gun violence in the black community per capita exceeds that in the white community. And gun violence in the black community is disproportionately conducted by gangs in poor neighborhoods, in urban areas, and it is a blight on that community. And black Americans and white Americans and Hispanic Americans and Asian Americans sure would love it if the police could actually enforce the law and if the local communities have the support of the police. But in places like Kansas City, they've elected a mayor and city council who are hostile to the idea of law enforcement, who are hostile to the idea of throwing people in prison. What we actually need in this country is not decriminalization of things and gun regulation. What we need is throw people in prison and leave them there. We have overcorrected on law enforcement, and it sparked these crime waves. And the left wants to tell us it's not really true. Look per capita. Look to the Super Bowl parade in Kansas City, Missouri, where three gangbangers shot a bunch of people, killing one in an act of gang violence. In a city where the mayor has repeatedly tried to defund the police and the police department is not respected by their city council, and yet when the gunshots were fired, the police ran towards the violence, putting their lives on the line to keep everyone safe. The police in Kansas City and those people who tackled the gunman, the average citizens who rose up to the occasion and tackled the gunman. By the way, the Kansas City Chiefs, I think the the citizens who tackled the gunmen and held them down so the police could get to them, they should probably be given season tickets to the Kansas City Chiefs games. These people are the heroes. They should get the key to the city. But I don't know that the mayor will do it because they successfully took the law into their own hands and tackled the gangbangers. I don't know that the mayor will, will reward them for doing the right thing, given his history. It's just simply a ridiculous thing to witness the left-wing rhetoric that immediately goes to gun control as opposed to lock the gangbangers up and keep them in jail. Stop letting them out. Stop letting them do things like this. This isn't about guns. This isn't about rifles. This isn't about AR-15s. It's not about handguns. Note, they don't even want to have the conversation about the handguns. It's about gangs and the unwillingness of local law enforcement. Uh, because their hands are tied by local city governments and left-wing prosecutors to be able to engage with, prosecute, arrest, round up, and throw in prison the gangs. You want a safe America, it doesn't mean you confiscate the guns. You want a safe America, it means you enforce the law and put the bad guys in jail. Had the bad guys been put in jail, had the gangs been prosecuted, had the city cracked down on gangs instead of on the police, what happened yesterday in Kansas City wouldn't have happened. but they hide behind racial discrepancies to scream racism so that they can be soft on crime. A woman is dead. A bunch of kids were shot. It wasn't terrorism. It was gangs. Seems like that's what you should be targeting instead of the law abiding
3: citizens of America
0: At LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions supply.
1: Let me give you some alarming data uh, from Brad Wilcox of the Institute for Family Studies. Uh, This relates to what happened in Kansas City yesterday. Uh, Young men in gangs opening fire in the crowd, killing one, uh, wounding dozens, including a number of kids. There's new research out. Boys raised outside of intact families are more likely to end up in jail than to graduate from college. Boys raised in families where the mother and father are together are four times more likely to graduate from college than to go to jail. In fact, 38% of young men who live in intact families, that is a two-parent nuclear household, graduate from college, 9% go to prison. With a single father, 14% graduate from college, 27% go to prison. With a single mom, 13%, 15% rather, go to college, 19% go to prison. That's pretty alarming. 38% of boys raised in a two-parent nuclear household graduate from college, and 9% wind up going to prison. And in a single household, it's upwards of 27% wind up going to prison, and and far less than that wind up graduating from college. Uh, You want to see what's going on in this country. It's not a gun violence problem. It's not a Second Amendment problem. It's a collapse of society problem. In particular, it's a collapse of the two-parent nuclear household. And the spillover effects of the collapse of families in this country is affecting everything, economically, educationally, uh, with crime, so much of it. You want to solve the gun problem? Solve the family problem in the country. But the left doesn't have any ideas for that. In fact, they're Busy selling the vision of people not getting married to save the planet in this country. It's absolutely bizarre and destructive policies by the left. You know, one of the trends on the left these days is to pressure banks into not doing business with conservatives, particularly gun owners, among others, Uh, but not just gun owners. Uh, A number of conservatives are finding these days that their banks and credit unions are harassing them. It's why Old Glory Bank was started. It's why I use Old Glory Bank. I don't have to worry about being canceled with old glory bank uh it is fdi uh, member fdic they're a great bank their online bill pay system is fantastic by the way really really easy to use you can get an account with old glory bank in less than eight minutes at oldglorybank.com i did uh not only can you get an account from oldglorybank.com but you can set them up for your kids as well and they do not charge fees for savings or, or checking so you can put your money in and not going to get eaten alive by fees you can also deposit cash at over eighty-five thousand retail locations around the country and get it deposited into your account You may not have a physical branch, but so many retail locations, you can go take cash, and they'll get it in your account for you. You can do home loans, FHA, VA, conventional, so much more. OldGloryBank.com, terms and conditions apply, member FDIC, equal housing lender. It is the bank I use. You should consider them. OldGloryBank.com.
0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program? As always, if you text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, uh, you, to 33777, you get the show notes, the live stream, the podcast, social media links, all those things. Let me run to the phones here and, and take Robbie. Welcome to the show, Robbie. How are you? I'm doing good, Eric. How are you? Good. What's up? Um, I'm trying to comment about the shooting that happened at the Super Bowl parade rally. Mm-hmm. Um, in my mind, I you know I hear people saying that they're trying to make it a racial issue or even a, a firearm possession issue. I don't think it's either of those. My thought process on it is it's is more of a culture issue. Is people are idolizing gang culture and crime culture, it doesn't have anything to do with being white nor black? It's on our shows, TVs, music. You know, it's just pushed everywhere, and the the fact that there was two juveniles caught up in it um, to me kind of highlights that. Um, just because the younger minds are so much more impressionable by the things that they
3: see and hear every day.
1: Look, uh, you know, there's something to that. There is a, 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 a there there is a cultural issue uh, these days, and uh, where culture gets infatuated and gang culture is one of those, particularly for kids from broken homes. Oh, you know, one of the things, Robbie, you kind of, you you hinted this, but in an era of isolation, kids want to belong to something. And if they don't have a a stable family, they'll go find a stable family. And oftentimes it's the gang that becomes the stable family. There's a ton of research on that about uh, the number of young men who wind up in gangs because they came from collapsed households and they're just trying to find some stability and, and the gang offers them stability. Uh, offers them a a a social network uh, in which they feel like they fit in and, and it's it's tragic because it leads to to violence and they become part of a criminal enterprise. It's sad. now we gotta we gotta shift gears to what's happening down in Georgia because it's it's actually it's it's bad for the Democrats. Today in Georgia, there have been ongoing hearings in the matter of disqualifying Fawny Willis, the district attorney, from prosecuting Donald Trump. Now, I need to step back and give you a relevant detail here. You may not realize. Fawny Willis, the district attorney in Fulton County, has already been prohibited from investigating the lieutenant governor of Georgia, Burt Jones. She tried to drag Burt Jones into this Trump case and was prohibited from doing so because she had the audacity of holding a fundraiser for the man running against Burt Jones. She has a level of hubris that is deeply impressive. Now, there are allegations that have surfaced from Michael Roman, an opposition researcher who worked for Donald Trump. Deeply ironic there, the opposition researcher finds this stuff out. His lawyer, uh, Ashley Merchant, a very good, noted, and respected lawyer in Georgia, Filed a motion to throw out the case because Fonnie Willis's conflict of interest with Nathan Wade. Nathan Wade is the special prosecutor. Willis and Wade claim that they are in a relationship, uh, but they're only in a relationship now. They were not in a relationship before he was appointed special prosecutor, I guess 2022. He claims and she claims in affidavits. That they started a relationship after he became the special prosecutor. Ashley Merchant claims that, uh, on behalf of Michael Roma, that no, 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 the relationship pre existed, that they were in a sexual relationship, they were committing adultery. Nathan Wade was married, and in fact, he lied on his reports, uh, on his disclosures in the divorce case. He had to subsequently go back and amend those documents in the divorce case. To acknowledge he was in a relationship while married, but they still try to say that the timeline is different. However, Ashley Merchant claimed to have a witness. That witness happened to be a friend and former roommate of Fawny Willis, who testified in court today that the relationship between Fawny Wade and Nathan uh, or Fonny Willis and Nathan Wade is started uh, much earlier than either have been willing to admit this is the exchange in court
3: For what personal and romantic is later when i ask you personal do you take that to mean romantic yes and do you understand it that their relationship began in 2019 and continued until the last time you spoke with her yes um
1: So their relationship began in 2019, according to this friend of Fonnie Willis. A direct contradiction. A direct contradiction to what Fawny Willis said. And uh, Nathan Wade actually testified they've taken a series of trips together over the years. He says he paid for them on his business card, and she reimbursed him, of course, in cash, so it can't be traced. You just have to take his word for it, that a, a, a prosecutor at the time, the assistant prosecutor, uh, had enough money to to pay him back in cash. So it's untraceable. Just take his word for it. Meanwhile, they've already uh, had to amend when their relationship started and all sorts of other things. I'm not sure why the judge would take their word for it. In fact, the left is starting to realize that. Number of uh, prominent progressives on television, today, very somber mood on CNN and MSNBC covering this. That because they have now been exposed so much, the burden of believing them is too high. In other words, so when someone goes to court and they say things in their filings that are not true and they have to correct them, and they say something else that's not true they have to correct it, and they keep correcting them because they don't want to be perjured, they don't want to commit perjury, but they keep trying to tell the court stuff until exposed and they've got to go back and say, oh, my bad, got it wrong, here's the truth. At some point the presumption becomes that they're lying. So Nathan Wade was asked about uh, his travels and trips with uh, Fawny Willis. Um, So in
3: 2023, December, you said you didn't have any receipts.
0: I do not have any receipts. I did not have any receipts.
3: But you did travel with Miss Willis in 2023, correct? I did. And you traveled with her in 2022, correct? I did and you traveled with her in 2021 correct no so you only traveled with her in 2022 and 2023
0: 2022 and 2023 is what i recall
3: that's what you recall yes okay um so you just don't remember if you traveled with her in 2021
0: 2022 and 2023 is what i recall
3: is what you recall my question is did you travel with her in 2021
0: not recalling any travel in 2021.
1: not recalling is not the same as didn't travel with her there, there's a big difference there big big difference and you have this this witness who says the relationship started in 2019 this is pretty damning testimony now so what's going to happen here if Fonnie Willis is qualified and I, I'm at this point I kind of will be surprised. If the judge does not disqualify Fawny Willis from this case, which will be hilarious to watch, I kind of will be surprised. I shouldn't say kind of, I actually will be surprised in light of the testimony. I will be surprised if the judge does not disqualify Fawny Willis. I don't think based on the judge's statements thus far, I don't think the judge will throw the case out. I, I don't think he will. So uh, there's some misunderstanding nationally on what will happen. Uh, The national misunderstanding is that if Fonnie Willis is disqualified by the court, then uh, Chris Carr, the attorney general of the state of Georgia, will take over the case or appoint a special prosecutor. That's not actually the case in Georgia. Uh, There's a panel of special prosecutors, or a panel of prosecutors, and it will go to that panel, and that panel will have to find another district attorney in Georgia to handle the case so it doesn't go to the attorney general uh some uh, some of trump supporters are bringing pressure on chris carr the attorney general in georgia to try to get him to dismiss the case he did not have the power to dismiss the case he did not have the power to assign a prosecutor that would go to this panel of prosecutors they're the ones who will assign a new prosecutor to it if they can find one that's the other problem here it's a daunting case to find a prosecutor who can handle the case you essentially have to find someone who can set aside their own duties to their own county and their own prosecutions in order to pick up the prosecution in this case? What they may very well do is assign it to a prosecutor who looks at it and says, "You know what? I'm going to throw the whole thing out." There's just there's actually not enough substance here to maintain it. We've reviewed the case; it looks politically motivated. We're going to toss it out. They would honestly, they would be smart to do that. The panel of prosecutors give give it to the the uh, well I. I <laughs> I was about to suggest some DAs. Not going to do that because I will get hate mail galore from them. But send it to one of the other suburban Atlanta DAs from a Republican part of the state who's got a good reputation who can look at it and and assess whether or not it's worth prosecuting. And the odds are they're going to find it's politically motivated and throw it out. Let them throw it out. It will solve all sorts of problems, including the fact that the case should have never been brought to begin with in the state of Georgia. And by the way, y'all, the case should not have been brought in the state of Georgia, particularly not against Donald Trump directly under the state's Criminal RICO Act. It's too broad of a case to pursue against Donald Trump. It's too broad and too uncoordinated uh, in, in the way it flows. I, I it, It's ridiculous that they brought this case to begin with. And now you're seeing the hubris of Foddy Willis engaged in a relationship with a special prosecutor She didn't notify the county of the need for the special prosecutor to prosecute the case to get the county to sign off on the bills that were going to be incurred. And it was very interesting to me personally as a lawyer listening to Nathan Wade testify this morning that he's not for he has a business partnership with another lawyer. And they share expenses, but they never formally organize themselves as a partnership. And that actually matters legally in the state of Georgia, that they don't actually have a formal partnership arrangement under the laws of the state of Georgia. They just kind of share expenses. And and Wade was saying he put his um, travel expenditures with Fonnie Willis on his business card, and she paid him back in cash. None of that adds up as a way to do business. None of that adds up. That's all got to be a red flag for the judge hearing this case. You're, you're taking trips with your girlfriend, put it on your business card. She's paying you back in cash. You've already twice misstated when your relationship began. Now someone comes forward, says the relationship began even before you're now willing to say when the relationship began. There's really not a lot of evidence to dispute that person telling the truth. She happened to have been uh, your adulteress's roommate. Yeah, there are red flags all over the place for this. And the left is really starting to realize that Um, this case is not the case that they thought it was that this case, um, is actually far worse than what they originally believed that it was, uh, Josh Marshall at, uh, talking point memo, which is a left wing site. It's actually a very well run left wing site. Uh, they do put points on the board for the left. Uh, he's actually a very good reporter at what he does. It was one of the pioneering websites for the left to do journalism with a left-wing uh, kind of gotcha slant on it. Uh, they put points on the board, and Josh Marshall is pointing out that this does not appear to be a good case uh, anymore for the Democrats, that this case seems to be flawed. I'm trying to find his actual tweet here. Uh, hang on one second. Let's see if I can... Find this. Josh Marshall, TPM, um, good guy, even if we philosophically disagree on this stuff. Yeah, um, here we go. This this is his his piece. Um, we'll see where things go. But Yurdy, this is Willis's old roommate whose audio I played you. Contradiction of when the relationship between Wade and Willis began was very damaging for Willis. She had hinged much of her defense on the relationship beginning after Wade's hiring. Yurdy effectively chipped away at that. We're now dealing with testimony about an affair in what's the broadest-reaching attempt to hold Donald Trump and his allies accountable for trying to steal the 2020 election. Trump, all the vague electors, Mark Meadows, Jeffrey Clark, and many others were charged in this case. But after Yurdy's testimony, it's clear that these accusations, as deep in the muck as they are, pose a real threat to Willis and the future, of the prosecution. They do, because time and time again, When given the opportunity to set the record straight, Willis and Wade have continued to have to keep clarifying in ways that make them look like they're being willfully dishonest. To the point of today where Wade says he put all their trips on his card and she paid him back in cash. Do you really believe that? I have a hard time believing the judge will. Now, you know, one of the great respecters of institutions in this country is Hillsdale College. They do a great job teaching people about the Constitution. They do a great job teaching people how to respect the Constitution. And they do a great job of teaching people why things in the Constitution are the way they are, the historic reasons for them. They want to educate you about the Constitution. They want to give you a free pocket Constitution. If you go to ericforhillsdale.com, you can get your free pocket Constitution today. Think about it. It's totally free. No commitment on your part. You go to Eric E-R-I-C-K, ericforhillsdale.com. You put in your name and address, they will send you the pocket Constitution with the Declaration of Independence. But in addition, you can hear their Constitution minutes that play during the ad breaks on this program. You can hear them share them with friends, get them educated. You can even develop a relationship with Hillsdale and learn how to take some of their free courses. Like they have a very good course on the Constitution I've taken and a number of my friends have taken. Larry Arn and, and Hillsdale College are good stewards of constitutionalism in this country. They want to develop a relationship with you where you can appreciate their love of the Constitution and fall in love with it all over again. Eric for Hillsdale Go sign up with them today.
2: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. This hour of the program brought
1: to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. Wherever you are nationwide, if you're in charge of the finances of a business, if you're buying a building or building a building or buying a franchise and you need help, First Liberty might be able to help you. They've been doing this since the 90s. They'd love to talk to you. FirstLibertyGA.com. FirstLibertyGA.com. Let me go to Steve real quick. Steve, welcome to the show. How are you?
3: Hey, Eric, Uh, enjoy listening to you. I'm calling you from the upstate of South Carolina. Excellent. Welcome. Uh, Well, something I thought about uh, with all this Fonnie Willis stuff as it's coming to light, and the purpose of my call is not to debate with you whether or not uh, there was election fraud in 2020, specifically in Fulton County, but does this specific case with Fonnie Willis lend credibility to the argument that there's some nefarious stuff going on in Fulton County in general. Uh, It it should.
1: I I mean, you know, I'm I'm glad you say this because that that is the issue. There's always something nefarious going on in Fulton County. uh, And and this just highlights it, whether it's elections or otherwise. Now, the question is what can be proven or not. And, you know, that's also a great way to, to segue into some news, you know, true, the vote that had was part of the 2000 mules documentary and had all the the documentation and the witnesses and stuff saying they had all the stuff on voter fraud. Uh, They've admitted in court now they actually don't have any of those documents, and they don't have any of the witnesses. They don't actually have any statements or anything that they said they had. So you got hanky-panky on both sides, but it certainly seeds the doubt uh, across the board and should make people distrust uh, the the political motivations of this. Now, Fulton County historically, look, back when I was an elections lawyer, it's one of the reasons electronic voting was so good and a a good move in Georgia – because y'all who want to go back to paper ballots in Fulton County, Georgia, they were masters of hanky-panky with the, with the ballots. One year, uh, I, I remember I was, a, I was a, in the college Republicans, and the Republicans were literally following the, the, the car with the ballots to the Fulton County Board of Elections to be counted, and they got cut off by a dump truck. And when they showed up, they got there, And the car with the ballots had been ahead of them and showed up after them for no explanation whatsoever. And the hanky-panky always happens. The question, of course, is always, is it mathematically enough to change the outcome of an election, which is very hard to prove. Um, But yeah, stuff like this is why people don't trust the system. Stuff like this is why people don't trust elected officials. Stuff like this is why people institutionally, philosophically believe something is wrong. It, it, It allows the populace and... The predatory uh, clickbaiters like Tucker Carlson to take advantage of it and sow seeds of doubt and get you to think that somehow Russia is a better run country than this one. It fundamentally undermines the system, which is another reason the system should work and get rid of this case, throw it away as a politically motivated scam trial